Hey everyone, welcome back. Episode 14. It's a little bit later than usual. It's almost 11 p.m. and um, I'm usually asleep by 9 o'clock, 9.15, 9.30. But I had a desire to record this episode tonight and um, I'm really excited. So something that I've been working through, I think recently, and it's been probably quite obvious on the podcast, is the idea of getting to know yourself so that you can actually forgive yourself and be kind to yourself. And there's this idea that, you know, self-acceptance and forgiveness is essential if you want to heal. And it's something that I I had trouble coming to terms with what self-acceptance actually means because for some reason I always equated self-acceptance, like the idea that you are who you are and that you have flaws with settling. But I think like what it really comes down to, it's like, it's accepting the fact that you might have certain tendencies and preferences and ideas that govern your life. And some of them you can more easily adjust or change than others. And some of them maybe you, you don't have the power to change. And I just never believed that there was anything about myself that I would never be able to change. And it's part of the reason that I tend to beat myself up so much. Because if I have, if I have an unproductive day or I don't feel like I made the most of the time that I, that I have, like now this is going to get philosophical. If I don't make the the most of the time that I have on earth, I tend to beat myself up quite a bit. And I'm not the best at balancing leisure and work, which I talked about in the last episode. And the reason that I'm not the best at doing it is that it's so easy to overdo it in one way or the other, to be zero or a hundred in the way that you live your life or the way that I live mine. And I think self-acceptance is about understanding that you don't need to be 100% all the time to still be worth it, to still be able to look yourself in the eyes, in the mirror, and feel proud of your reflection. And something that I have really benefited from 
and I will probably mention this in every episode, is, well, there are a few things, but one of them is journaling. Another is having a habit tracker, like an actual piece of paper where I track my habits. And the third thing is an app called Strong, S-T-R-O-N-G. Before you ask, I don't make any money. They're not a sponsor. I don't think that they know I exist. But if you go to the gym and you enjoy lifting weights or doing any kinds of exercises, I can highly recommend Strong. It tracks every single uh, workout that you've ever done. It shows you how you progress over time. It has a very easy um, to navigate UI. Like everything about the app was designed in such a way that you don't need a tutorial to use it. It's just really brilliant. And when I combine that app with my journaling and my habit tracker, it gives me a pretty comprehensive overview of where I was at any given point in my life. So I can look at my workout calendar for February and see that there was a gap of three or four days. And then I can actually go back to my journal and see what was going through my mind at that time. And I find that that's extremely helpful for giving yourself context because I think just like when dealing with interpersonal conflict, understanding where the other person came from, or I guess in this case, understanding where you came from when you were making a decision, it really helps you to give the other person, or in this case, yourself, the benefit of the doubt. And having that context is so important. So maybe if you didn't have the journal you would just see the gap of you know the, the missed exercises and maybe you'd beat yourself up because you didn't remember that during that time you were feeling really down or you know it it was really busy at work your energy levels weren't where they needed to be your diet wasn't where it needed to be whatever it is so that's just a tool that i have that gives me the ability to give context to my situation. So when I look back, I don't beat myself up and it does work. It's not a hundred percent, but I understand that it doesn't need to be. Nothing needs to be a hundred percent. Nothing can be a hundred percent. I mean, there are certain guarantees in life. I don't want to go into them in this episode. I don't want to bring anybody down, but when it comes to actually like making progress on something, I think the most important thing is your intent. And I'm talking specifically about projects here. I'm not talking about, you know, being in a relationship that is its own conversation completely. But when you want to achieve something, you know, in your heart, if you actually gave it effort and if you didn't give it effort and you end up beating yourself up over it, it's it's not the not the most effective way 
to keep a project as a sustainable long-term vision. Because once you start to associate your project with something that, you know, with negative emotions that come from beating yourself up over it, it becomes, in quotes, work. And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, who knows when, I believe that work has become a really dirty word because it's become equated to something in society that people do, but they wish they didn't have to do. And I don't believe for myself that my definition of work is that at all. I think I have been very fortunate to find certain aspects of daily work that I love. And I also have a side project that allows me to realize my passions and to lean on my skills, like on my strengths. And that's such a good feeling when you feel like you're good at something and you actually get to use it to be like to make money off of it. So what you really don't want to have have happen is, you know, reaching a point where you start beating yourself up all the time. And um, it really does happen so often with projects. And another thing is to be able to recognize fear when it's happening, because that's also a huge killer of progress. You know, the, the fear of what if. Now, I have been a very big proponent of not talking about projects specifically, like not sharing the details specifically with people. That was my approach at the beginning of the year. Luckily, I I gained a bit of momentum. And now, you know, certain friends and people know like what my, my side project is. But what I will say is that, and this is in the words of Ryan Holiday, who said this in a YouTube video that I watched, he says that he believes that, oh, how do I even phrase this? He says that talking about doing something and actually doing the thing compete for the same resources. And so when you tell everybody this amazing thing that you're working on, it makes it that much harder to actually complete the thing because you get a dopamine rush. And yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I think what's really important, if you feel like you might have kind of um, put yourself into that position where you don't have as much dopamine to go forward with the project, what I'm learning is involving other people into the journey makes it a more enriching and rewarding and less scary experience because you know that there are other people that are now involved that are capable as well and are excited. And it's so important to have a why and to really stick to it to some extent. Like when you think about your why, if you can get it to a point where it becomes almost like an abstract ideal. And what I mean by that is like, we're no longer just talking about money. 
we're talking about what the money represents. We're no longer talking about autonomy. We're talking about what that means for your life, what that means for your existence on this earth. And that's so much more powerful than just the devices that are going to achieve that. So one of my motivations was money, but now I don't use that as like the main motivator anymore or one of the main motivators anymore. It's more about taking it one step further with a why. So having more money, but what would I do with that money? Well, I listen to enough podcasts and I watch enough interviews and I've been around enough extremely wealthy people in, over the course of my life to know that the frills that people associate, like I should actually take that a step back. The luxuries that people that do not have money envision money will afford them are not going to be as exciting 30 days after you've you know bought that new car or bought a boat or bought a new house right those things are going to go away really quickly and you hear this all the time throughout society and after a while you just need to accept it because usually when a truth is spoken you'll see that same truth over the course of human history right if it's a real human truth you'll see it pop up everywhere and it has literally popped up th throughout human history with monarchs being unhappy with um, self-made billionaires who end up just giving it all back to feel something and so I think for me, what the money represents is freedom and autonomy to live the life that I want to live and to kind of just like live out the life that I want to live, if that makes sense. I'm always, I mean, again, I don't want to bring you guys down, but I'm always thinking about the end of my life and I'm just super pumped, super excited to be alive, really grateful for the things that I have. And I can, I can easily see the next 40 years of my life. Like I can just see them when I close my eyes, I can just see them. And, you know, I'm not talking about the specifics of like who I'm with, how many kids I have, but I can see the way that I look back on my life when I'm, you know, 69 years old. And just, you know, evaluating the decisions that I made and how I ended up where I did. And I can hear the voice, you know, I can hear myself as a, as a very, um, I almost said a very old person. I'm sorry, mom. I, I did not mean that people that are in their 60s are old. But what I, what I meant to say is I can hear my voice from when I'm older telling the version of me now how to make decisions that will enrich my life and make me feel like I actually lived. And it's not difficult for me to access that, to access that voice because I'm operating 
with my whys. Like I fully understand why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And I don't have any illusions about what I want for my life. I want to connect with other people. I want to help people because it's so difficult to find information that's authentic and true and meaningful about what makes a life worth living. And I also think in, in the, the realm of emotions, we have a very limited vocabulary of how we're feeling and why we're feeling that way. And it's something that I want to improve about myself. And I'm hoping that by being on this path and documenting where I'm trying to go, it will help other people that also want to be conscience, conscience, that also want to be conscious. Sorry, as I mentioned, it is almost 11.30. So normally I would be waking up in like four and a half, no, sorry, five and a half hours. But anyway, the point is, I forgot what I was saying, is the point. But yeah, I mean, I really did, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm forgiving myself. And something that I don't do on this podcast is I don't go back and edit anything on any of my podcasts. So these are completely straight from my brain into the microphone and I upload it. So, you know, these things happen. I don't beat myself up over it. I just keep moving. But as far as emotions go and just becoming a better version of yourself, it's so important to get to know yourself and to really be able to label the emotions that you're feeling and then be able to understand why you're feeling that way and then to try to imagine what life could be like if you didn't feel that way or if you didn't react immediately you know how much different your life could be for people that have a tendency to get annoyed very quickly or to yeah i guess just like become quick to anger quick to sadness quick to excitement you know what what would life look like for you if the next time that something that normally got under your skin just bounced off? What if instead of feeling your forehead sweating because you're actually fuming, you were able to take in a nice breath of air that loosened your chest and made you feel safe and whole and at peace. And as I'm going through this journey myself, I can tell you that there are many moments throughout the day that are opportunities for me to improve the way that I react and the way that I think. And if I can just be an example for people that are going through their own stuff and not be afraid to just 
you know, be honest about the experiences that I'm having and the, the ways that I'm feeling and the, um, the learnings that I've had. I, I really believe that this world could be a better place. And all it really takes is one person to feel like they're seen and loved and heard. And it would be amazing if I could be that person for someone. And I was actually listening to um, a podcast with Lewis Howes and Mel Robbins. And at the end of the podcast, they said that they loved, like they said, I love you to the listeners. And um, (laughs) I actually felt loved. It's kind of strange, but when, when someone actually has love in their heart and genuinely cares about other people and is at peace with the way that their own lives are going, they have such a beautiful energy and such a, a beautiful way of communicating. And I've noticed this with one of my with one of my best friends, um, my cosmic brother that I mentioned in episode one, he just has this energy now because of his own work that he's that he's done through meditation and through mindfulness, where like his his energy when you chat with him, he's just so warm now. And back when we were growing up, he was really icy. Like he just didn't have, he didn't give off the best vibes to a lot of people. Even he and I really didn't like each other the first time that we met. I didn't like him at all. And I never wanted to hang out with him again. And now he's someone that, I mean, if he listens to this, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't usually send him episodes, but if he's listening to this, I mean, he knows like I would, I would lay it all on the line. I love this guy. And when he walks into a room, you can just see everyone lights up and wants to be a better, like they're not doing it intentionally, but like his energy calls to them and they want to be a better version of themselves because he's just so full of joy and, and lightness and happiness. You know, that, that sustainable even keeled satisfaction and peace and that's why i think it's so important to put your voice out there and to allow people people that want to to tune in and to hear how you think you know like my day like on a daily basis i have the same challenges as everyone right and I hope that I, I don't ever, I hope that this doesn't ever come across as like me thinking that somehow I don't face the same problems as other people or somehow my life is easier or anything like that. But what it is, is like, I am so brutally honest with myself and everyone as much as I can be. And, you know, there there have been situations where you know, just having like anything on my mind that anything on my conscience that, that drags me down, it'll be enough where like, I need to actually say something to the person that it, that it involves. 
I don't like dealing with things on my conscience. I don't like things weighing down on me. And there are so many other things already that kind of get in the way. Like, sorry, that wasn't, um, that was me attempting to speak. (laughs) Uh, There are so many other obstacles on a daily basis that I don't believe holding on to things from the past is a wise use of your time. You know, I mentioned this in a, in an episode, or sorry, I think like maybe in a LinkedIn post or a podcast. I don't know if I went fully into it, but like there was a period of my life where I really did not like who I was because I was so afraid that other people would judge me. When I transferred colleges, I didn't want people to know that I was a transfer because I didn't want them to think that I didn't belong there, that I wasn't intelligent enough to get in as a high school senior. I didn't want people to know that my mom drove a school bus. I didn't want people to know that we were on Section 8 housing, which is when the government provides subsidies to help you afford to pay your rent. I didn't want people to know that I'd grown up, yeah, poor in a small house. Um, how about this? I don't think I've ever said this out loud. Um, I went by my middle name until the time that I went to college at 17. My middle name is Frank. And that's what my mom calls me. But mostly she calls me Macklin now. But my first name is Macklin. My grandma still calls me Frank or Frankie. And there's nobody my age, there's nobody that I grew up with that calls me Frank. Like none of my friends call me Frank. Nobody does. Only certain family members do. But even, you know, it's been 12 years now, right? So my mom, my mom still sometimes calls me Frank, but it doesn't matter. The point is it's like when you have this kind of stuff, that's like, weighing on you and preventing you from being yourself, it can really make life feel miserable and scary. And if I can give you any advice, free yourself as fast as you can from anything that makes you feel like you have to ask permission to be yourself, to live the life that you want to live, to make decisions that make you happy. If you want to move to a small island and open a fishing bait store, I don't know, fishing lures, lures, fishing lures. If you want to open a tackle shop on a small island, just do it. Like, figure out a way to make it happen. Send emails to, I don't know, send emails to the government, like to, (laughs) this sounds so fucking stupid. Um, figure out a way to make it happen, do some research, go on the government website, figure out what it takes to actually like move to that place, figure out if you need to have a business plan in place. And just know that every single day, there are thousands of people that are making their dreams come true by just taking the first step at that thing, sending the first email, making a phone call, doing research, and they're taking action. And I understand for a lot of people that they don't have the financial resources. 
And I'm just going to speak from experience here and say this. If you don't have the financial resources to do something, it's going to take a little bit longer. But if you really want it, you'll figure out a way to make it happen. It took me six years and four colleges to graduate with a bachelor's degree. Six years and four colleges. I didn't transfer because I wanted to go to a better school. At least, sorry, I guess I can, I guess I can't fully say that. Every time I transferred, I wanted to go to a better school. But the reason that I transferred from the first school was that I couldn't afford it anymore. Then I went to a community college for a year. But you can't stay, you can't get a four-year university degree from a community college. You can only get a two-year associate's degree. And then I went to a better school and then I eventually graduated from a really good school. And yeah, was it ideal that I was 23 when I graduated from college? No. Did it matter? Absolutely not. I had an amazing time. I got over so much by just putting myself out there and connecting with people that I became like really close friends with and trusted them with my what I guess you can call secrets, but they're not secrets anymore. They don't feel like anything anymore. It's like, yeah, my middle name was Frank. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, these are all of these, all of these things that we hold on to. We need to ask ourselves at a certain point, like, what's the worst thing that happens if people find out? What What's the worst thing that happens? Wouldn't you rather be able to just take a deep breath and and know that you're living the life that you always wanted to live? I'm speaking from experience here. I was, I mean, I was literally working minimum wage jobs for like four years, five years, and didn't know if I was going to be able to ever get a college degree. And, you know, it's, it's, it just took a lot of resilience, but I really wanted it. So it was exciting for me to, you know, to like apply to colleges as a transfer and continue to go through the process and get so excited when the mail would come and I would see a new letter from an admissions office and, and just be so elated when it would say like, congratulations, you've been accepted into the class of blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you can go to this website and learn more about, um, you know, how we do things here and our faculty and our programs. And I would just, I, like, I could cry. I was so happy every single time that I transferred colleges and went through that process, even the times I guess up until the times where I tried to transfer and I couldn't because there were uh, like two or three cycles where I either got into schools that I couldn't afford or I didn't get into schools that I wanted to go to. So, I mean, I ended up applying at least, I would say 30, 35 times as a transfer, um, like 35 different universities as a transfer. And eventually I made it. 
And that's just the moral of the story. And that's just the way that things go. I mean, look at me moving to Berlin. It's the same thing. I wanted to move to Berlin in 2017. I was working as a landscaper in Ann Arbor, Michigan, applying for jobs and sales, living in the basement, like where my friends used to live. And every company that I applied for turned me down. And I think I probably already mentioned this. Yeah, I don't need to go into it again, but like, you know, even the jobs that were in hindsight, like extremely low paying and unfulfilling turned me down for a job. And it was super disheartening because I felt like, look, I have this work experience from, you know, interning while I was trying to afford college and taking time off and actually getting like real life work experience. Why won't these companies hire me? Well, actually, to be fair, I never asked that question. I just, I guess I just worried, you know, just like anyone else. I would just get rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection. It was like, and then there was one um, company in Berlin, I think it was Food Panda, that I had applied to, and they asked me to switch over to German, and it was an immediate fail. Like, I couldn't even say a full sentence in German. So yeah, that sucked. Um, but I guess what it taught me is that if you really want something, eventually good things will happen, especially if you stay positive. And you know what happened to me? I was sitting in the basement one day, my phone rings. There's a guy with like a very thick accent on the other, on the other end of the phone. He goes, hi, is this Macklin? I go, yes. He goes, hi, this is Ben, Ben Hill. Never forget you, Ben. This is Ben calling from Google. And I had already been rejected from Google in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I really didn't, like, he reached out to me. I didn't apply for the job. I thought that this was bullshit. I almost hung up because I was just under the impression that there's no way that Google reaches out directly. Well, it turns out that he was working for a company that Google contracts called CDI. And CDI hired me as a contractor at Google in New York. And I, from that call, I think it was in July, I just remember jumping, like after I got the job, I remember jumping up and down on the phone with my mom and my grandma. My grandma didn't know really what Google was. But when I told her like what I was getting paid and I told her like, you know, how important Google is as a company, just in terms of its presence, uh, over time she started to like see it on on the news. She doesn't have a computer or a smartphone. She started to see it in the newspaper and it made a lot more sense for her. But yeah, I was at Google and then guess what? You know what happens in life? It's one challenge to the next. So I started at Google as a contractor working on a sales team and the next goal becomes how do I become a full-time Googler? How do I get bought out of my contract so that I can be a full-time employee with Google. Well, I applied, I think after six months, maybe even less to try to convert to full-time status because you can only work as a contractor, I believe for two years at Google before you have to stop for like government uh, regulation reasons. I think it's like labor laws. 
So yeah, I applied. I didn't get it the first time. I didn't get it the second time. And then somewhere around the 11th month, the 11th month mark, I finally got it. And I became a full-time Googler. I got my stocks. I was working on the agency team. And I could just look back like three, maybe like, sorry, not three, but uh, I could look back like one year earlier and say, holy shit, I was landscaping a year before I started this job. And now I'm a full-time Googler and I have money. And then if I looked back six years from that point, so 2011 was when I graduated from college. Well, I guess not six years, so seven years because I started as a full-timer in 2018. That is neither here nor there. But, you know, it's like when I graduated from high school, I meant to say not college. I was just, I had no idea what I was going to do. And all I knew is that I wanted to achieve something. And the only reason I believe that I was able to get to where I am is that I was able to be honest with myself and with other people about myself. And it made me realize very quickly that in most cases, the person that is against you the most is the voice inside your head. It's usually not your friends conspiring against you. It's not someone that you work with that resents you for being more successful or better at your job. It's not some invisible force that is trying to ruin your life. It's 94% of the time, just the voice inside your head that is just telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not worth it. But that's not true. That's not true for anybody. And so if you're listening to this podcast, I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you. And second of all, you are worth it. You are so worth it. It's incredible how much value you have. Nothing on this earth, no other person can amount to how much value you have. In your current form, how much value you have. No matter how many flaws you have, no matter what you ate for dinner, no matter whether or not you're achieving the goals that you have in in front of you, whether or not you're going through a bout of depression, whether or not you have regrets, it does not matter. You are incredible. You have so many amazing traits that you don't even think about most likely that make you special and make you just a pleasure to be around. And I think it's just very easy because, and I'm speaking from experience here to, you know, hold yourself to these like ridiculously high standards, but it's just not, it's not necessary. There's an expression, it's like, you need to go slow in order to go fast. And to be honest, I haven't really thought too much about it. Like, I haven't gone into like the, the meaning of it too much. But I think we can also take this and apply it to emotions as well. 
and to our perception of ourselves. If we can just give ourselves just a little bit of slack, a little bit of kindness, like such a tiny amount, like imagine you're in a, in a dark room, you're in your bedroom with the lights off, and in the living room, which is the room next door, at least that's how it is in my, in my apartment, in the living room, the light's on. With the door closed in your bedroom, you can't see the light. But the minute that you crack the door, you see this giant burst of light coming through. And it's, even though it's a sliver, it makes a huge difference. And that's forgiveness. Just give yourself a little sliver of it. You deserve it. If you had a day where you feel like you didn't do the things that you wanted to do, or you didn't you know, show up for the person that you love, or you weren't as receptive to you know, moments of gratitude, water break, <laughs> If, if you just feel like it wasn't your day, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It really does not change anything. Just take a deep breath and remember you're more than the things that you're working toward. Like, I believe that we should all try to strive to be the best versions of ourselves. But it's really, for me, it's not necessarily about everybody, like, striving to become successful by Western standards, you know, like what the United States portrays as success. It's about asking yourself the tough questions. What do you want? Why do you want it? And what are you thinking about yourself? What beliefs are holding you back from achieving it? And if you can ask yourself those questions and give yourself honest answers, then you're going to be that much closer to finally having the life that you want to live and not feeling like a fraud or feeling like everything is plastic and cheap. But maybe, you know, maybe you'll realize that you do just want a more simple life or you don't need to have all the latest technology or maybe that you rely on other people a lot for your validation and the only people that you really need are the people that bring joy to your life and make you feel seen and loved and heard and there are other people that are not in your orbit that you might have kept around for a little too long and now it's time to part ways and allow them to live their best lives and you live your best lives separately and they were, they were beautiful. They were there for you when you needed them. And now it's time to show yourself what you got. So I really hope that if you're still listening to this, that you know that you are truly special. And I'm really excited at some point to get to have a conversation with you and learn more about how you think and how you feel. And I hope that I can empower you just through my own stories and my own messages to give yourself a break and live the life that you're destined to live. It's inevitable. You're going to live the best life. It's just a matter of how fast you want it to happen. But you're definitely on the right path. And I'm here for you if you need me. Now that it is almost 12 o'clock, I am going to go to sleep. 
I hope that you have a great night and thanks for tuning in with me. It was a pleasure and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.